Hello and welcome to the Rice Historical Review podcast. My name is Eddie Plout, the podcast director and producer, and today I am talking to Catherine Pickrell, a senior at Brown College and a honors history candidate writing her thesis this school year. We talked with Darren two episodes ago about his thesis, and today, now that each of the honors history students has turned in their prospectus and can't look back now. We're going to uh, hear what Catherine has to say about her thesis. Catherine, well, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Doing okay. I turned in prospectus yesterday, so doing all right. <laughs> it's all, all downhill from here, right? <laughs> well, uh, let's start with your, your general area of history that you have interest in. What sorts of classes at Rice have really been interesting to you, have influenced your the direction of your thesis? I've taken a lot of uh, Western European history in particular, especially focused in the English, British English realm and Ireland. More to that point, like, could you give our listeners like a brief overview, uh, an introductory look into what your thesis is going to be about? Yeah. So uh, my thesis is focused on uh, the 1640s era in Ireland, which that period was characterized by a uh, the Irish's best chance, like closest closest chance to self-government that they had before 1920. Through this 10-year period, there was a confederation of Catholics, which was primarily led by the Irish lords and uh, generally educated people in Ireland. And they were working in a pseudo-self-governing fashion, trying to trying to move towards more independence for Ireland. So uh, which Rice faculty are you working with primarily on this? I imagine uh, Dr. Polnitz is like really exactly in that area of expertise. Yeah, Dr. Polnitz is my thesis advisor. Uh, we've been meeting every couple weeks talking about just like my progression on the project as well as uh, her giving me just like some general contextual tips for like the th- War of the Three Kingdoms in particular. I know it's obviously it's pretty early on, but do you have a, a developing sense of the kind of argument you want to make in your thesis? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, to a degree, at the at least. So my paper is mostly focused on one particular lord from Munster. Uh, his name is Donna McCarthy, uh, Viscount Musgrave, and uh, he was the he's an Irish Irish Catholic, but his brother-in-law was the English-appointed Lord Lieutenant in Ireland, James Butler, Duke of Ormond or Earl of Ormond. He would later become Duke, and so the question of how that relationship really shaped Musgrave's position within the Confederacy itself is kind of how I'm, it's the lens I'm attacking the project from. Uh, And I think, so Muskery wound up taking a less radical view of like how much independence the Catholics should call for in Ireland. And I think a lot of what I'm going to focus on is how his relationship with Ormond shaped that argument or shaped shaped that view. And that's interesting. Is there a lot of historiography around the deliberations between the two and like the general internal arguments within the confederation? Um, so the confederation actually is relatively under understudied in terms of uh, history. Uh, there was a period in the early 1930s, uh, 20s and 30s, where there was some scholarship. Um, a couple of really good uh, PhD theses were written about the confederation uh, and they did a lot of the work. So a lot of the documents were burned in various some during the Irish Rebellion in the 1920s, um, other times. And so uh, a lot of that, the legwork on documentation really got done in the 20s and 30s. But uh, in the 90s, there was a resurgence. Um, there's a couple of historians who've really focused on I- the Irish Confederation in particular. One of them is, I believe his name is Michael O'Sitru. 
Um, and a lot of his work is kind of, it's given me most of my background as well as like I'm working in speaking with that text, his, those texts as well. I think that's really interesting. Is that is there an element of in the 20s and efforts in Irish history to achieve independence and later efforts after the Confederation, hundreds of years later, is there like a callback to this Confederation? Is there an, a historical understanding of this Confederation? Well, I mean, I think the the Irish independence movement definitely was involved. Uh, so, so most of those PhD theses were towards the 30s, um, but definitely like hundreds of years there was no Irish move, Irish independence or when there was Irish independence movements they were deeply unsuccessful often leading to like much more punitive responses from mm-hmm. the English and so um, there's not a lot of historical focus because there still is no Irish free state mm-hmm. basically and so once once the Irish earned their independence then I I wouldn't be surprised if that led quite a few Irish historians in particular into looking at this this prior instance of Irish self-government. Mm, to tie it back, to like sort of corroborate the two. Yeah. And um, I, you've talked about it uh, at great length in our history, uh, honors history seminar, but uh, could you talk a little bit about the primary sources you're using for uh, your thesis? It sounds like they've given you a certain amount of trouble, but it's, it seems like a really interesting project nonetheless. Yeah, no, it's actually been a really great experience. Uh, so most of the historia, most historians uh, have relied heavily on Richard Belling's History of the Confederation and Wars in Ireland. Uh, Belling's was, which was written in the 1670s era. Um, so Belling's was the secretary for most of the years of the Confederacy. So he wrote a re- retrospective history um, in the 70s, which was another time of tur- turmoil in Ireland with the English. So, you know, there's political aspects to that for sure. But um, so that that's a multi-volume history that I've been working with. Currently, most of my primary source work has been through the cart papers, which were, um, there's manuscripts at the Bodleian at Oxford that are all of the Duke of Ormond's personal correspondence. And so I have hundreds of letters from the Duke of Ormond, between the Duke of Ormond and Muskery for the most part, as well as some other members of the Confederation. And uh, I've been working through figuring out what they say and just like, you know, it's been a process. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, 17th century Irish handwriting, hard to read. It's a little difficult. (laughs) Uh, There was no spelling conventions. So sometimes you're looking at a word and you're like, what is that word? <laughs> but is it is it all English or is it like English is gay are Gaelic words thrown in that you don't know? Or? So I've actually been lucky. Uh, one one of the major questions when I proposed this project was whether it would be in English, but it is. Um, so they're all in English. The bigger problem is that handwriting in the seventeenth century was so dramatically different. Uh, but luckily, Dr. Polnitz worked with me for about a week last spring and we just put in like a lot of effort and she she basically taught me several techniques for reading what are called various hands so like there's secretary hand and like a couple of other like basically formal writing styles uh, those seem like pretty useful skills for real life like if you go into like medicine apparently it's like the doctor handwriting is terrible i know that 
transcribing people's handwriting is always like an issue. Yeah, I mean it's it's been interesting because I've like started to look at my own handwriting uh-huh. and like <laughs> sometimes I'll be making notes in like my thesis notebook and I'm like, if I was reading this 300 years from now, there's <laughs> no way anyone would be able to read it because so much of it is it just like- It wouldn't stand the test of time. No way. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm, I'm lucky in that for the most part, reading is not, it's not too bad. It's just time mm-hmm. consuming because it is very different. And so you, there's a little bit of like training your brain just to recognize, oh, every time that symbol comes up, that's an A. Like mm-hmm. that can be pretty <laughs> difficult. And But once you get into like, I only have about, right now it's looking like five different handwriting. So like oftentimes the Duke or the Viscount wouldn't write for themselves. They'd have like someone else do it. And so there's been about five different individual handwritings that I've had to understand, but I'm getting the hang of it. Mm -hmm. And I I can imagine as well, the way you describe the kind of limited scope of the historiography surrounding the Confederation, um, is there really anything at all written about these letters? Like, is there a lot, is there a a lot of historical analysis about these letters to help you out, to help you interpret what's going on? Or is that really like on you to figure out as you're going? I mean, there have been a couple of instances where like I'm reading one of my secondary sources from the 90s or 2000s and uh, they'll come up like, oh, and at this point, Ormond uh, gave Muscree information about how to act when he's having an audience with the king. And it was it was actually really cool because literally that morning I had read the letter mm-hmm. that was like it's, Ormond it's right telling yeah. him and I was like, <laughs> oh, OK, I, I can at least be sure that. I interpreted the letter correctly. That was nice. But no, for the most part, there's no like compendium of what the letters uh-huh. are no or anything. Yeah, that's definitely for, for my own thesis. I know that that's been like a massive help. So I, I do not envy you, Kevin. <laughs> so I think a, a one thing that's been really cool about your thesis specifically is places you got to go in doing this research. Could you talk a little about that? Yeah. So uh, thanks to the Ira and Pat Gruber Fund, uh, which is uh, I got a grant from the history department to uh, spend three weeks in England and Ireland doing archival research. Uh, So I spent time at the National Archives at Kew uh, looking at state papers and various uh, diplomatic papers from the time, Um, and then the Bodleian, which is where the CART papers were. And I got pretty lucky in that typically undergraduate students are not permitted to view manuscripts at the Bodleian, but... um, I don't know. Somehow I I got Hold I got enough strings. Yeah, I got I sent I sent that pre-email and they were like, <laughs> "Why?" And I was like, "I really need this." And they they gave it to me. So I that was really lucky. So yeah, so I spent time at the Bodleian and then I also went to Ireland, which was amazing because I got to see Kilkenny Castle, which mm-hmm. is where the Confederation was based. I took a little trip out to the Blarney Castle, which is where um Muskree's like that that's his ancestral home Mm -hmm. so that was cool to see too like just be in the places where they were was that seems really like very tangible like representations of your thesis (laughs) yeah it was cool (laughs) okay so um obviously you're you're still focusing in on um an argument post prospectus how how has your argument evolved so far are there any like avenues that you've tried to explore that haven't panned out or um, has it been pretty much like a slow and steady path along the same idea you'd started with? Um, the big thing is that uh, initially when I – last spring when I proposed the paper, I thought I would be focusing on Muskry's role in just the 1641 Irish Rebellion, which was 
its own thing. Um, it did sort of kickstart the Confederation, but it was much more limited in scope, definitely, for what I thought I was going to be writing about. But once I got over there, started looking at some of the sources, doing more background research as well, I realized that there's it's a, it's a longer story. Uh, I didn't know nearly enough about the Confederation to have really... When I proposed it, I was... I was completely blind to like what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see, come to, come to find what the history actually was, was a big, big thing for me. Um, and so realizing that I wanted to expand it beyond just the one year of 1641 and look more at the whole political entity that was the Confederation was like a big move for me. But I think it's turning out well. That's great. As far as comparing to the the studies you have already done at Rice University, like in history classes, uh, what sorts of uh, challenges or just like different component parts of thesis writing did you not anticipate? Are you surprised by? Uh, do you think that goal setting is a difficult thing for you or is it has it basically been pretty straightforward? How has the process of writing the thesis been so far? Um, the The biggest thing with writing my thesis has been just that I haven't undertaken a project of this size, obviously. I think that's a big part of why you write a thesis is to have a final project that is, I wrote 80 to 100 pages on a singular topic over time such as, I mean, a full year is a long time to work on a project. And so uh, goal setting in particular um, has been big. Uh, luckily, the seminar course that we're in with Dr. Bowles, that all of us are working together, has set pretty pretty good, like, uh, markers of like what what we should have completed. Um, so he this week he wanted us to have our first chapter outlined to a degree, and so that was really helpful in getting me to move, look beyond just the sources that I'm working with and really turn towards how I'm going to write this paper um, because it, it is definitely I don't know in most of my history work a final paper maybe you write a prospectus in November. And then, and then two weeks later, you're writing the paper. Yeah, and then two yeah. weeks later, you're writing the paper. And typically, I write a paper in like a weekend. And mm-hmm. obviously, I'm not going to be writing this paper in a weekend. So it's definitely a much longer term project, which has taken a lot more planning than I'm used to. But I'm enjoying it. So um, kind of in closing, one point that I, Darren made in his thesis podcast, which I thought was really like endearing about this uh, this project that we're undertaking, is this idea that you feel much more connected to this project than really you have any other project you've done at Rice, where there's a sense that you're doing something um, truly like original and truly your own. Have you really, have you gotten this sense you have the same connection to your paper yet? Or do you think it's still not quite there and you're almost there? Or do you just, is it at a distance like, God, I'm so sick of reading these letters. Like, please (laughs) let me finish this paper. So when I was trying to decide what I wanted to write about, so my grandmother is immigrated from Ireland uh, in the 50s or something. So I knew that I had taken Dr. Wiener's class and I knew that I wanted to t- write on, I had written a paper on 1920s in Ireland and I knew that I wanted to write on Ireland uh, or in the early modern period, but I didn't know much about it. And so uh, in picking, in trying to find a place to enter into the narrative, uh, I focused on the area where where my grandmother's from. Um, so she's from what was the Munster area. Now it's uh, now she's from one of the southwestern co- uh, counties in Ireland. Um, and so I wanted to find someone from where she's from. And so that's how I kind of came to the project. 
And so even just in that, like there's much more of a personal connection to it in that like I picked it for reasons beyond just, oh, I'm in a class about the British Empire, better write about the British Empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was so much opportunity to pick something that I really, really meant a lot to me. Um, but no, also when we're talking about like just the amount of like sweat and no tears yet, but probably down the road, uh, I definitely have put, you know, way more time into this than I've put into anything I've else, anything else that I've written at Rice or worked on at Rice. And so it has definitely become, you know, I call, I call Muskery, he's my guy. Mm. And so <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, my guy did this. Uh, I read a letter about my guy. Um, and so it definitely is something I've taken ownership of in a very different way than anything else I've written before. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Catherine. Next week, we will have Eliza Martin come on and discuss her thesis on women in Mexican politics. And we will also have Dr. Bird come on to discuss uh, his breakdown of Childish Gambino's This Is America. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Check out the Rice Historical Review at ricehistoricalreview.org and follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. This is the first podcast that will go straight to iTunes. Uh, Very excited. So check us out. Thanks for listening.